0: This is the eLearn Podcast. If you're passionate about the future of learning, you're in the right place. The expert guests on this show provide insights into the latest strategies, practices, and technologies for creating killer online learning outcomes. My name's Ladek, and I'm your host from OpenLMS. The eLearn Podcast is sponsored by eLearn Magazine, your go to resource for all things online learning. Click-by-click how-to articles, the latest in ed tech, a spotlight on successful outcomes and trends in the marketplace. Subscribe today and never miss a post at elearnmagazine.com. And OpenLMS, a company leveraging open source software to deliver a highly effective, customized, and engaging learning experience for schools, universities, companies, and governments around the world since 2005. Learn more at openlms.net. Hello, everyone. My name is Laddick. Thanks so much for joining me today for this episode of the ELEARN podcast. My guest for today is Matt Hunkler, who is the founder of Powderkeg, the place to plug into tech outside of Silicon Valley. In this really community conversation, Matt and I talk about the origins of Powderkeg through Matt's own struggles of looking for opportunities in the tech startup space outside of Silicon Valley and how Matt made the decision to choose a different path take a pay cut and jump on the opportunity to become a part of what is now the Powder Powderkeg Network. And P.S. When's the last time you took a chance to really stretch yourself and grow? I mean, ask yourself that honestly. We also talk about why all things in Matt's life and therefore powder Powderkeg lead back to community and how this continues to serve and fuel his vision for supporting others by sharing knowledge that can be applied immediately. We also talk about how the first iteration of the community, which was called Verge, evolved into Powder Keg, uh, to provide that critical density of resources, things like talent, capital and partnerships, these, these, these resources that every company or organization needs today. We also talk about the importance for all of us in finding our niche, tribes, where we can truly geek out in our passion, but also making sure that we consciously seek out other experiences so that we're consistently expanding, growing, and finding our blind spots that we need to fill and in order to stretch. We talk about also how Powder Cake is helping to bridge the gap between higher ed and the jobs world, especially in the tech space, of course. And then finally, we round out our conversation talking about the maturing of the digital and tech space and how this is affecting people's choices for where, how, and whom they want to work for. And remember, we record this podcast live so that we can interact with you, our listeners in real time. If you'd like to join the fun every week on LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube, just come over to eLearnMagazine.com and subscribe. Now I give you Matt Hunkler. How are you, Matt? Oh, I think you're on mute. There you are, taco over you. <laughs> Super cool. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, I, I know. I always ask everybody this. You know, as we kick this off, I know where you are, but 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 tell us. I mean, wh- where are you sitting today? I, I love your office. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Because it's actually real. It's <laughs> it's not something like this. But this is the this is the
1: home office, um, which is based in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm coming at you live from the cloud uh, mm. as the entire tech world is these days, uh, working at least in hybrid work environments, mostly remote still. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, no longer the new normal, it's the normal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. But we've we've got a great team here at Powder Keg and uh, excited to be here.
0: Great, yeah. So let's just, I mean, let's dive right in because I wanted to, you know, I want you to first tell us about Powder Keg, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, not only the history, but sort of the service you provide, but then uh, let's take it into how we can connect what you do to the e-learning universe.
1: Yeah, sure thing. So we, we um, Keg is the place to plug into tech outside of Silicon Valley. So Silicon Valley for the last several decades has been the epicenter of technology. Um, as things have moved more and more remote and virtual and into the cloud, um, really Silicon Valley has had sort of an unbundling meaning the uh, resources, the access, the connectivity that Silicon Valley had in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, which really gave that community an advantage and why you saw a lot of amazing innovations coming out of that area. And you still see amazing innovations coming out of those areas. Um, But that really has become decentralized. So uh, decentralized in the same way cryptocurrency is decentralizing finance. Uh, Decentralized in the same way that uh, e learning can now be done from anywhere, doesn't necessarily have to be in a physical space or location. And um, I've been working in this space for the last decade plus. Um, Really kind of started for me actually right out of graduating college. I thought Mm -hmm. I was going to move from Bloomington, Indiana, where Indiana University is, Kelly School of Business uh, is where I went to school. And I really thought I had to graduate and move out to the Bay Area, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. Uh, to keep growing the business I had started in college, um, I thought that's where I, you know, I would need to get capital, get customers, get more talent. Um, and fortunately, I was plugged into a group of entrepreneurs here in Indianapolis, where I still live today, mm-hmm. um, and was plugged into a, an amazing community called the Orr Fellowship, named after uh, former Governor Bob Orr and uh that community of recent graduates and then classes before me that had graduated um plus the access to executives tech executives for me was compelling enough to actually take a pay cut from what i was paying myself at my business to join a h- high growth tech company mm. um because
0: for me the learning was more important than anything else i, I want to stop you right there i want to cuz i want to talk about that for a second we live today in a universe that is saturated with ballers and players and bling. And I mean, I'm, I'm no and and this is the t- true story. You know, I'm here in Mexico city last night, my wife and I went to the Justin Bieber concert here. Nice. Right. And I was actually talking with some of my colleagues earlier, just saying, you know, like what's it like to be 28 and never have lived in the reality of anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I was in this stadium with 60,000 other people, uh, you know, listening to the screen, they're adulations adal- at this guy, and 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 yet you are now talking about making that choice and be like, hey, you know what? It's not about the dollars and cents. Talk to me for a second about how you knew that that was a good decision. Like, I'm wondering how do we talk to people who are in education today, especially learners and lifelong learners, where maybe we look at the happiness equation or the equation of What's going to get me to where I'm going to be rather than just what's dollars and cents?
1: I think I knew that from uh, a lesson previously I, um, and, and learning it the hard way. So I actually did my first year of university at Purdue University. Mm. So two hours up the road from uh, Bloomington, Indiana. It's actually where I grew up. So I had already spent 15 years there. Uh, all my professors my freshman year at Purdue, uh, not all, but a lot of them were like friends or like classmates, parents that I knew. <laughs> uh, I literally like nothing
0: awkward there. There's nothing across awkward.
1: the street. My high school was like two blocks from Mackey Arena, the basketball stadium at, at Purdue. Um, and so for me, I was kind of like thinking that university was going to be this like different environment. And this is going to be a new gear for me. And I, I had already taken a couple classes at Purdue my senior year of high school, because it was across the street from us. Um, and that was like a very common thing to do. Uh, my business professor in high school was also a business professor at Purdue. So uh, for me, I was kind of like, I, this isn't stretching me or growing me in the way I want it to. And, and It had nothing to do with the curriculum at Purdue. It had nothing to do, because obviously they're a very top-ranked school, very prestigious school. Um, It had everything to do with the environment and the people Mm. and the community and and kind of what I was looking for. And what I was looking for was something that was really going to push me to get a little bit outside my comfort zone. Now, Granted, I only went two hours down the road. But in comparison to being in the same town uh, and knowing every street and like already knowing all the buildings and already knowing most of the professors, to like knowing nobody, new town, never been there before, didn't even visit it because growing up in a Purdue town, you learn that IU is far inferior, which is false. <laughs> but you, you know, because of that rivalry, I, I just I had no idea, and the only reason I discovered it is because I was dropping in on some friends' classes mm. uh, freshman year when I went down to you know, frankly, to party with them, you know, one of them was like, Hey, we're going to go to our business class. And, uh, you know, the buddies I traveled down there with were like, we're going to stay in bed. I was like, <laughs> can, I, can I come along? And I was, I was just loving it. So nice. I learned the lesson that like, it's not all about dollars and cents because I, I lost all of my scholarships, even though I had a direct admit into IU Kelly from high school. Once I chose Purdue, that was taking, you know, that was, yeah, sure, of course um so you know for me that was tens of thousands of dollars that uh, i was taking on because i had a full ride at purdue um but for me it was well worth it to make that jump because one taking on that debt is what kind of encouraged me and forced me to start a business mm-hmm. um two, putting myself in a new environment and a community of people around me you know iu kelly school as number one ranked public school for entrepreneurship which is what i was passionate about doing. still am passionate about doing, obviously. Um, and so getting into that community of people who were also starting businesses, uh, already running businesses, professors who had exited businesses. And, and I think some of that existed at Purdue too, but for me, it was just kind of that combination of all of those things. And so I, I saw this opportunity to stay in Indiana versus go out to the Bay Area as a similar kind of choice. Um, obviously the Bay area is a great community of entrepreneurs. There's lots of technology, but this or fellowship was something that already existed. It was a community of people who had self-identified, you know, it's called the or entrepreneurial fellowship. I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, these are, these Mm -hmm. are probably my people. Um, and then the direct access to, um, all the executives at the big tech companies at the time, uh, which were exact target, which got acquired by Salesforce, you know, Angie's list, which got acquired by home advisor. Uh, so really getting kind of a front front row seat to a lot of that stuff. Uh, for me, I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I was open,
0: open to it because it had worked out for me previously. And that's right. And I, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to steal your thunder by telling my story, but I swear you just like, if, if I were to just replace Purdue and IU with Colorado college and. Colorado State University. You literally just told my enti- my entire college. <laughs> that's awesome. I-, I did the literal exact same thing yeah a decade before you did. So strange. That that's probably oh. why we uh, we vibe so well. <laughs> so crazy. Hi. I'm jumping into the conversation real quick to ask you a very simple quick favor. If you are enjoying what you're listening to right now, if it's if it's interesting, if it's entertaining, if you're pulling away value, if you're learning something, whatever the case may be, do me a favor and just hit subscribe on your podcast player right now. You know, it's, if it's on your phone, if you're listening on a computer, whatever it is, just take two seconds right now, hit subscribe. It helps us. You'll never miss an episode and you know, everybody wins. And if you really like this content, you know, a lot, come on over to eLearn Magazine, throw your email address in there and subscribe there as well for other great content around our blog posts, around the events we play. And of course this podcast as well. Thank you very much. And now back to the show. Um, so take me to powder keg. Um, you know, like what was the genesis of it and what, what service do you provide? And, and especially like, what are we, how are we connecting to both higher education universe, but then also the new professional who's growing their skills and then the lifelong learner. Like, let me throw all three of those sub questions at you at the same time.
1: Sure. Well, you you'll learn very quickly that all, Roads for me lead back to community. Mm. It is the thing that just very early in my career, I read a book called Tribes by Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. Uh, very small book, which is why I read it. <laughs> you know, it was like read it in a you know in an hour or two kind of book. Uh, but it talked about kind of uh, finding your people, finding the people that were. And for me at the time when I moved to Indianapolis, I was like, okay, where are my people? Uh, who are the people spending nights and weekends? You know. Developing software, starting businesses, uh, building websites, uh, learning about new technology. And there were some things that kind of existed at the time in Indianapolis, but I, I noticed that the, the people were very different than me. You know, I wasn't wearing pleated khakis with the tucked in button down shirt hmm. uh, or the three piece suit to work. I was working at a startup mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to find the, my, my startup people. And so part of the book, Tribes, uh, is, you know, if you can't find, your tribe, build it. Mm-hmm. And so that's really with me and a couple, couple of friends, that's what we did. Um, we started a, a community at the time was called Verge. Um, and the whole thought was just like, let's get everyone we know, which at the time was like 12 people, <laughs> and get them together. We're gonna grab beers, you know, we're gonna, get, we're gonna go to the bar, but we're gonna bring our laptop so we can hook it up to the projector and you know, the little conference room that are, are at some types of bars. And we're just going to present what we're working on and ask for feedback. You know, this is before Shark Tank, but it was very much Shark Tank without the checkbooks. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it was that was such a cool experience. And, and I did that one time. And everyone said, when's the next one? Mm. And I said, next one, what? You know, yeah, I, sure, yeah. I, I just wanted some feedback on my business. This was great <laughs> feedback. I'm, I need to go execute on that. You know, so of course, I was working at a cloud technology company full time, but then also starting an e-commerce business on the side, also plugged into these uh, entrepreneurial um, curriculum at the OR fellowship program. Um, And and so I was like, I don't have time for this. But there was this need. People kept hitting me up saying, when is the next one? When is the next one? And so we hosted the next one. And Mm -hmm. twice as many people came to that one. And at the time, the technologies that were new were YouTube and Twitter. So ah. we, we, I was recording all of the talks and you can still find some of them on YouTube today. I was recording the talks, tweeting, you know, uploading them to YouTube and then tweeting them out. And that's how people were finding out about this, mm. um, was this new technology called Twitter. I think Twitter was maybe two years old at the time. Um, but that was, that was such a cool thing because there are these monthly kind of in-person gatherings, but then the conversation continued Over this medium twitter that was kind of new and everyone was using in between events Mm. and uh over time what what ended up happening is you know live streaming started to become a thing so people from out of town could view the events then uh people in other communities started self-hosting their own verge events so you know raleigh north carolina had a chapter kansas city missouri had a chapter Um, And of course, we provided, you know, some of the materials and lessons learned because we kind of operationalized everything um, here in Indianapolis. But what started to form was a sort of like regional and eventually sort of national community of people who just wanted to learn and uh, grow, grow in Mm. our careers. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of us were uh, early in our careers and hungry for this uh, kind of community. But the the key thing was making sure we had successful entrepreneurs who were there that we could learn from. And so there was a, there was a lot of this kind of community that formed early on where you know, these entrepreneurs who are maybe a little bit later in their career and looking to give back provided them an outlet to do that. And for these people who are earlier in their career, it provided a way to learn directly from someone who was actually doing it or had actually done it right. and, and create a relationship. So it wasn't just like, oh, I watched this video. You know, thanks, Susie, for your advice on how you started your company. It was, you know, I watched this talk and now I'm having a conversation to learn more and actually like engage with the material. Mm. And um, one of the big switches for me when I was going to college was this difference between I I call it book knowledge and applied knowledge. And I'm, I'm sure I stole that from somebody. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. My laptop's on a stand of books right now. I think you can see the books behind <laughs> me. Um, and so I, I, I started playing this game with myself in college. Part of why I started a company, beyond paying off the student debt, was I wanted a place to apply the knowledge that I was gaining. Mm. Um, so I would play this game in class where I'd literally be on my laptop. This was before they didn't allow this. Um, but, you know, I, was, I would be on my laptop taking notes, but also uh, literally trying to take what I'm learning in this venture capital class and apply it to my own business that I'm working on live in that, um, in that class.
0: Who doesn't, so, who doesn't allow that?
1: Well, so there was a period of time when I was in college where like, it was allowed and uh-huh. then it was disallowed because it was uh-huh. like, oh, you're doing other stuff on your laptop. So now ah, okay, it's, probably, it's probably commonplace, but I, I was like early enough. Sure. that Like not everyone had a laptop. There was, you know, most people had a desktop back at their dorm, myself included. Um, so yeah, it was, there was like a weird period of time where it was like it was allowed and then like it got taken away. <laughs> and so now it's, it's probably allowed again. Um, shows you how much I know about higher education <laughs> these days. <laughs> Everyone's attending classes on their laptop anyway. So exactly. it's probably quite a bit different. Um, Going back to this community, it was a way to um, for everyone to get applied knowledge. Mm -hmm. Say, I have this problem I'm working on. I can't seem to figure it out. I've tried these things. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they get different ideas. um, And using a methodology, that, which was relatively new at the time, called the Lean Startup Methodology, um, which is very popular in in the tech world. um, It was all of us just kind of building community and... Um, you know, in the tech world, failure is actually glorified in some ways, you know, Mm -hmm. fail fast is a phrase, um, that that's used. I'm really grateful for that because I think, uh, I have a tendency to be a perfectionist, like at my core, but being in the, in the tech industry, it's sort of like that has, (laughs) that has trained me out of that Sure, because you you cannot be a perfectionist and be an entrepreneur successfully. That's my thesis anyway. Um,
0: So at what point did, at what point did people like from outside the Indiana area, and obviously you were, you know, you started these chapters and whatnot, but I'm thinking at what point did people start calling in and be like, Hey, I'd love to come, you know, give a talk or I, you know, I think that there's an opportunity here, obviously probably some opportunistic type of things to, for people to, you know, put their brand on the table or whatever. But like, what, when did that start happening? And like, did you kind of feel that? like a, a a switch where rather than reaching out and kind of looking for your next guest, they were coming to you. It was the first one. And oh so I, man, come that's, on. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's a just benefit of being early. You know, yeah. there was no other outlet for this. Nowhere else was doing pitch events. Nowhere hmm. else was doing any kind of fireside chat with entrepreneurs, you know, except in university classrooms and you were enrolled, you know, to go to those specific classes. Um, Yeah. So we just benefited from being early (laughs) on and having the right people in the room. It was literally at that first event, you know, people were like, when's the next one? And then the like second half of that sentence is because I have something I'd like to share next time. Right. Right. Um, right. So
0: I guess then take me to the next level. Was there ever did did it get to a point where, you know, that. Like venture capitalists or, you know, someone with a big idea who are you know they were looking for talent or um you know, somebody who just wanted to have their ego strokes because they wanted to talk about <laughs> how they, you know, how they, you know, they 10x their revenue night last week, you know. Like w- at what point did that start happening?
1: Well that so they didn't always reach out. They still don't always reach out, you know, the 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 ones that are in the top one percent of the top one percent of performers, that is uh, I mean, still today. Uh, even with our virtual big virtual conferences that we do, mm-hmm. I'm still usually the one reaching out saying, "Hey, we've got a community of over 10,000 tech professionals uh, who are who are really doing it. They're really building things. Um, here's here's the ask: 20 mm-hmm. minutes. We get to talk about this topic you're really passionate about. Would you like to to come? So that has that has never changed. When mm-hmm. we we're, we're always going to find um, the very best. I, I do think there was. I promise I'm not trying to be difficult in answering your question. Um, I do think there was a time when there there was sort of like the tipping point. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the tipping point. Sure. Mm -hmm. And for us, I think it was around um, 150 true fans. I I think Malcolm Gladwell even talks about that number. I think that's Dunbar's Dunbar's number. Once you have those 150 people who, they're going to be there. Like as long as there's not a conflict,
0: they're going to be there and they're going to show up. And even if, there's, even if they're not going to be there, they're going to tell other people about it. They're going to support exactly. you in some other way, whatever. Yeah. yeah sure. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, I, I think that was like really the tipping point for us. Um, and it, it really only took maybe a half. It was it was within the first year that mm-hmm. that, that point mm-hmm. hit. And we just kind of had this organic grassroots community. And our and first couple first- of chapters happened because people moved to another city from sure. Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I just that's how raleigh happened i just moved from indianapolis to raleigh um there is nothing like what this was which is crazy because there's so many great big tech companies there ibm red hat you know now Mm -hmm. google and and everybody is in the research triangle um so that's kind of how we sort of cross-pollinated initially you know before live streaming was you know commonplace and you know everyone was finding people um through you know virtually And now there's so so many more tools, you know, we're on StreamYard right now, Yeah, Uh, streaming to all kinds of different social platforms. Um, There's so many different ways to do, you know, comments, dropping a comment below, asking a question, polls. um, And, you know, none of that existed, you know,
0: even five years ago, at least not as like a commonplace thing. Not not even three years ago. I mean, it's really the 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 accelerator of the pandemic, at least in Ad, uh, ado- adoption has been radical, absolutely radical. So, take me to you know how you know I I'm not sure Verge evolved into Powder Keg or if Powder Keg came out of left field or you recognized that this was a, a really you know, a need that needed to be filled. So, what what was the origin there? So, it was one of
1: those things that just kind of organically happened as well. My my whole career has been just kind of like listening to what the community wants and, mm-hmm. and building that thing. Um, you know, I did high growth technology companies f- as a full-time job in addition to Verge, um, from tw- 2009 to 2013. So those are my first, you know, four or five years in a pr- professional setting working, mm-hmm. you know, full-time 40-hour work week. I'm using quotes yeah, sure. because it was more like 60 plus, um, because I was just throwing myself into, into everything I could, you know, and saying, yes, I'll do that to everything. Mm-hmm. That was my say yes to everything phase. Uh, of life, and I, I burned myself out mm-hmm. um, doing that, you know that was the hustle grind culture of uh, you know early startup tech communities. Um, I, I very much bought into it. I, I think I benefited from it in a lot of ways, um, but the downside was you can 't sustain that forever and so after uh, a startup that you know I was working on was supposed to spin off from another company ended up kind of imploding with that company, I just kind of needed to take a step back. And Verge had grown into this thing that was basically a lifestyle business. And so after taking a few months to really think about what what to do next, I didn't think it was Verge. It was kind of one of those things, again, where I sort of like, next one what? You know, like that. that's, yeah, not, okay. mm-hmm. that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but in those couple months after I left um, that last venture funded company, I had been invited to speak in a lot of different places you know, run some workshops, um, you know, out in San Francisco uh, for the Ebola summit. Very relevant
0: now. Um, you know, fast forward to years. I was just uh, say, the, wow, that's a long time ago. That's yeah. all, all
1: the way out to uh, Auckland, New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, you know, Columbia, down in Colombia and Medellin, uh, Aruba, uh, and then just all over the United States. And so in that travel and kind of following just things that kind of popped up. And, and I did that for another five years after 2013. Mm. Just kind of uh, ran an event once a month in Indianapolis, you know, supported other uh, folks in other communities who are running events in their markets. And it was in in traveling to all of those different places, um, in some cases, like five cities in five days, you know, back to back to back, you know, and, and each day is action packed. It's like, you know, 7 a.m., meet with the mayor and all the chambers of commerce. 9 a.m., go to the biggest tech companies in the cities and, city and do a tour. 11 a.m., go to the biggest venture capital firm in that city and learn about what's going on there. And mm-hmm. it would all culminate in a Verge-like pitch event at the end of the day. Um, so it was sort of seeing that back-to-back-to-backness that I started to see a pattern, mm-hmm. which is, one, every tech community, you know, you're in Mexico City, very different than Indianapolis. Um, I, you know, I can guarantee I haven't been to Mexico City yet, but I know some <laughs> folks that run, run some startup community stuff there, including yourself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, all, while all these communities are very different and have their own strengths and opportunities, we all suffer from the same challenges. And I would summarize all that to density, density mm-hmm. of resources. Um, and it's what Silicon Valley had an advantage on for so many decades is that geographic density. Everyone's Mm -hmm. right there, graduating Mm -hmm. from Stanford. They're sticking around in the Bay Area. Uh, All the big tech, you know, big original tech um, communities or companies that exited, you know, people were spinning off from them and starting other tech companies. All the venture capital was there. And in fact, still today, 75% of all venture capital nationally in the US goes to the Bay Area. Wow. Um, And so this density challenge... Uh, density of talent, density of capital, density of customers willing to buy from startups. This is what we set out to help solve at Powderkeg, mm-hmm. starting with the biggest pain point for tech companies, which is still today
0: uh, hiring, and entertaining the best talent. Mm-hmm.
1: Is so that
0: how Powderkeg came about? Thank you. That's fantastic. Mike, is the best talent... Because uh, we see it down here. Okay, we see it in Mexico City for sure. Um, yeah, you know, I'm on, you know... An, an embarrassing number of WhatsApp groups, right? Cause that's how, <laughs> that's how essentially every yep. small community gets started. You know, yep. same uh, in Medellin. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And at least in, in Latin America, but actually in many parts of the world. And, sure. you know, you, you see so often, you know, Hey, I've got, I'm, I'm, this is my idea. Or this is my startup and we're looking for X, Y, and Z. But one of the things I've found interesting is that it's often marketing folks or, you know. um, operations people or, local organizer or you know somebody you know sort of like a non what you'd call a tech job even though this, these are all mm. many of them are you know tried and true tech startups these are e-commerce companies these are you know um middleware companies these are you know SaaS providers these kinds of things but they're looking for like the talent gap is there rather than hey i need a front-end developer a full stack developer a ux ui kind of person those kinds of things does that is that what you've seen in Indiana as well, or is it really, yeah, is, is the opposite true? That's
1: a really good question and, and astute observation. Um, and actually I skipped over a part, which is we were originally called <laughs> hackers and founders. So, Oh, interesting. Okay. Developers and entrepreneurs. And the, yeah. the whole idea was like, how can we get our technical co-founder um, mm-hmm. and make a mm-hmm. space for them? And so that was built into our community very early on. You know, even if we're pitching something, you're not pitching only the business idea in the business model like you have to have at least you know 1 minute of your 5 minute pitch needs to be focused on the technology what is unique mm-hmm. about it what is defensible about it what tech stack are you using so mm-hmm. that it would be relevant to software developers devops people uh, you know you name it the the thing that's really interesting and the way communities have grown is there is a lot of benefit in having niche or niche, depending on how you want to pronounce it, <laughs> <laughs> communities, you know, so having a, you know, here in Indianapolis, we have Indie Hackers, mm-hmm. I-N-D-Y, not I-N-D-I-E. Okay, um, okay. So Indie, like the Indie 500, Indie Hackers, which is run by someone who started that group around the same time I started Verge, um, where people can just geek out and nerd out about that stuff, mm-hmm. the, the more technical aspect of things. I think mm-hmm. that's really important to, to any thriving startup or tech ecosystem is that, you know, whatever your area of focus is and where you're trying to learn, you know, how can you niche down and find the people who are really talking about similar problems that you might have faced previously yourself and you could share from uh, experience on or that you might be facing in the future? Mm-hmm. Um And then it's also helpful to be plugged into broader groups where you might run into someone like Powderkeg CTO now uh, is the guy who built the original job board on the internet, which became Monster Jobs uh, or Monster.com. And he just happened to be in the back of the room at one of those bars um, and had learned about it on a platform called Meetup. Um, And so the magic of colliding with people different than you uh, th- there's magic in that, too, so that that's been sort of a core belief for me for a long time is like go you know I try to go to I try to go to events like startup ladies as well, even though the name might not lend itself to thinking like that's where I should be um, because one, you know I know the organizer, and I, I know that's not the intent of the event, but also it's going to have there's a totally different circle of people. Mm-hmm. They're talking about different things that I might not know about might be blind spots for me. Um, and, and I think in any career, that's true. Um, and Steve Jobs, you know, famously talked about that a ton uh, in, in how Apple grew and how it grew its competitive advantage. You know, just the focus of design in the Apple came from things like dropping in on calligraphy classes, you know, at sure. university that he wasn't paying for. Um, and just getting really geeked out about typography. You know, before that, well, yeah, it's everything also- was just like this eight-bit, you know, you can't even call it a font. It was just this like blue screen or black screen, white type uh quote unquote typography.
0: Yeah, well it's it's those it it's it seems like such a simple formula and yet such a powerful one that I wonder how many you know, how many people actively pursue because putting yourselves in those places of strangeness, newness, um, you know, outside, as you say, your comfort zone, you know, it, it offers you moments of serendipity, right? Yeah. Where It's yeah. like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I, how could I connect X to Y, you know, or... Gosh, I didn't even know that this, you know, community of people who do exactly what I need, you know, exists, you know, and because it was called Tech Ladies or whatever, you know, like I didn't even know that was there. Um, it's really really super fascinating. Here's where my brain is right now. <laughs> sure. What you just described used to be owned. It used to be the property of higher education. Yep. Right. This used to be you went to university, you went to college, pre obviously let's just call pre-internet right let's let's call you know before the dinosaurs no i'm just saying um you know you you went there because this was where you would have your mind blown this is where you would be exposed to new ideas but most importantly you'd be exposed to community hopefully from you know around the world or at least from a large geographical diversity and ethnic diversity and that's how you would get that that muscle of Holy smokes, look at all these other options for my life, for my career, for my, whatever, what you've just described exists today. I think we're all very worried. It. it, it, it needs no border. It needs no tuition fee. It needs no, I mean, obviously there's organization and structure, but it's very, um, ephemeral, right? Like anybody can throw together a WhatsApp group. Anybody can do this, you know, and, um, you know, I think the most, it, interestingly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now thinking of just like Ted talks and TEDx talks and those kinds of yeah. like these, it, it becomes, it has a organic life of its own. The question at the end of this diatribe is as you're allowed, you know, moving powder cake forward and you're, you've built these communities across your whole career and you've attended them and you've seen that serendipity. Talk to me about what higher ed has experienced over the last couple of years where Let's just be honest. It's an existential crisis has happened about where's the value? What is it? And are you, are you filling a gap for them with powder keg? Are you, are you working with them? Are you partnering with them? Is that this, is, is this even a conversation? Are they even on your radar? Um, I think that's my question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a really good observation too. I, had the privilege of going to my brother-in-law's graduation from UVA, University of Virginia, uh, last year, and so being on that very historic campus, um, I think it was founded by Thomas Jefferson. I could be totally wrong about that. It's uh, old. But you know, let's just say it's it, old. <laughs> it, it's very old. You know, like <laughs> there there are so many documents in their library. There's so many books in their library that at the time only existed in those libraries. You had to go there. If you wanted to learn that material, because mm. literally the book was in that library, and now, to your point, Laddick, uh, there is limitless information, which I think presents its own own problems. Oh yeah, Pretty no, it's a, it's
0: a, yeah, it's a huge problem on the other side, right? It's like, it's <laughs> West, you know, it's like totally overwhelming. Well, yeah. And
1: and that's where I think universities, um, at least the ones I think that are adapting well uh, to this, are are really setting themselves apart, uh, really by curating content, curating material, curating guest lecturers. Um, you know, I was fortunate to go to the Kelly School of Business, which I think still has the number one online MBA program, which it also did pre-pandemic as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I've worked very closely with uh, Phil Powell there, uh, just really one of those people that's thinking, you know, five, 10, 20 years out in the future in higher ed. Um, and one of the things I really appreciate about how he's thinking is he's thinking entrepreneurially and, uh, I'm sure that's a challenging thing to do just because of the culture of higher education historically has not been to like, be like, Hey, this is working. Let's change everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. It's, It's sort of like, Hey, this has been working. Why would we change it? Um, tends to be, and it's the same thing at big tech companies, right? Like even big tech companies aren't like, Hey, this is working. Let's, let's change. Let's try something new. They're Like this thing's working. How do we increase it by five to 10%? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, a lot of things are getting disrupted right now. I'm seeing way more people come into at least powder keg with no college degree. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're joining tech companies that don't require it Mm -hmm. Um, or they're going to a coding Academy and learning to code in a 90 day um, program Mm -hmm. and coming out of that with a, you know, high five figure job and a career path Mm -hmm. that can uh, support them probably for their entire lifetime, just because of the shortage of technical talent that there is Mm -hmm. right now. Um, That said, I think they're, there's still a, a really important place of higher education. One, I personally don't think that virtual can ever 100% replace the learning and relationship connectivity that can happen in an in-person environment.
0: Well, we, we know, I mean, there's been a couple other people who have been guests on the podcast here who, I mean, the science is definitive. I mean, it, absolutely definitive. And it's really it's really quite interesting about when we think about our need as social animals to be in the same space together and what that means to us and how we communicate the connection we have, the energy that we share. I mean, I, I kind of get a little, you know, uh, for lack of a better existential here as, as well, but it, it, it is a reality that we can test and people have, um, I'm the gentleman, his name, I'm totally forgetting right now. He, his name is John Medina, I think. I want to say his name is. Um, but you know, he was just de- he was describing on a, on an earlier episode about how you and I know how to interrupt each other or or interject each other in a conversation because we can me- our ears actually feel the air pressure difference
1: mm. between us
0: in a room like that. It, it gets down to that level of stuff. Yeah. All of this is to say, no matter how how hard we try to go virtual all the time there, there will just absolutely never be a replacement for this virtual reality until we're, until we're, we are all digital ourselves. Right. And in that right. point, I don't know if until we all if humans we, evolve. Yeah. Over, yeah. Until whatever centuries or millennia. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I, you know, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, take that yeah. forward for me. Like, so as you've seen universities evolve, as you've seen this, how have they started to reach out in, in a different way maybe to the startup and the corporate community or have they started to co-opt and maybe do a land grab? Like I've seen that in some cases where it's like, Hey, we're actually, no, our brand means this. Yeah. Um, what do you, what, what have you seen in that regard?
1: Well, we've definitely done uh, partnerships with universities. So, you know, in Raleigh Durham with, with Duke and uh, NC state uh, here in, in uh, Indiana with Purdue and Indiana University obviously had some ins there uh, to make that that possible Um, but I you know I think our closest relationship is with the Kelly School of Business and with Phil Powell because he's forward thinking in that way Mm -hmm. and because there's this IUPUI Indiana University Purdue University Indianapolis uh, campus so that's you know, Indianapolis is kind of halfway between West Lafayette and
0: Bloomington. And I've, I've just noticed that you, Indianans, also kind of stick together. I don't know our executive director, oh, yeah, the managing director, Phil Hill. Oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> whoops, um, Phil Miller. Uh, he is uh, very, very much an Indianian. Yep. Is that what you yep. say? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. He's, he's a Hoosier, but a, a, it's a a Hoosier Hoosier just called it. Hoosiers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Great movie, by the way. Hoosiers is a great movie. Um, yeah, I, I think um, what Phil is doing to engage, get students from the evening MBA program or the, even the online MBA program, you know, getting them free passes to come and attend Patterkeg events, to network with employers, even when they're in school, um, or recent graduates who are at their first t- full-time job to plug in and develop their So, their social and professional networks. Um, But then also reaching out to entrepreneurs and saying, What are you seeing? What are you looking for? Or heads of talent at tech companies and saying, Where are the gaps? Like, Mm -hmm. what are we not preparing students for today that we should be? Mm -hmm. Um, And even experimenting with things like just in time courses and certificates where you don't have to do a full enrollment in a four-year program or two-year MBA. And it can just be a leadership certificate or an entrepreneurship certificate that you can get in a semester with, you know, two or three classes that you're plugged into. Um, So I I do think that the universities that can adopt principles like the lean startup um, methodology that startups have used to innovate for years, I think higher education can and are uh, not everyone, obviously, but uh, the ones that continue to rise to the top and ha- are seeing their student body grow year after mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. are the ones that are trying new things mm-hmm. and looking for ways to differentiate themselves. Um, I, I am by no means an expert in higher education. These are just the things that I'm seeing anecdotally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, seeing that partnership between... We've got a coding academy here in town called 1150 Academy, uh, founded by someone I worked with previously, the guy who invented voicemail, also a, a Hoosier. Wow. Um, and uh, he, he started 1150 Academy. It's a nonprofit coding academy. You can learn cybersecurity. You can learn how to code. Um, you can learn all kinds of uh, the top uh, skills that are in demand right now at right. tech companies. Mm-hmm. And you can do that in a six-week you know, six program, six-month program, you know, depending on what you're, you're looking to do. But seeing how Kelly School of Business is partnering themselves with those programs to say like hey, this person is graduating from business but wants more exposure to technical skills mm-hmm. and vice versa. this person's graduating with you know a certificate in cybersecurity, but they want to be on the business side of things. you know now that they have the technical understanding, how do we get them the business understanding where they can accelerate and grow? Mm. And that's just kind of where i'm I'm excited because I, I do think tech companies A lot of them are not requiring, powder keg included, are not requiring a college degree in order to be employed there. That said, when when employees get to a certain stage in their career, that company might not be set up to provide the training that that employee needs to reach the next level, to go into that leadership position, to go into that management position. Um, There's so many opportunities for universities to work with private companies to identify, you know, and it doesn't have to be private, I'm just talking about the tech space, but, you know, that, that could be in the public sector, that could be in, you know, the government sector, understanding where are the gaps and how could we provide continuing education so that learning isn't this thing that happens in just this four-year period after high school, but is the thing that continues through your career uh, and it is continuing to plug you in. I think the other piece of that is just community. You know, mm-hmm. I, I told you all, reads, all roads lead back to community. Um, the more that universities kind of call that out and actually have ways to network with other alumni, other students, other professors, former professors, guest lecturers, um, those are the ones that are going to continue to rise to the top. Um, our IU network has been instrumental in helping us get early customers, investors even. Mm. Um, and and ultimately uh, for, for me to grow in my career, but also everyone that's, you know, works at Keg to grow in their careers. Mm. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well. At least that's what I'm seeing on the ground here.
0: I have, I have two more questions. I know we're coming to the top of the hour. And so I, yeah, I know your time is precious. Um, the first, the, the last, the second one is when i ask everybody, I'll ask that one second, but I want to end sort of the knowledge search of this conversation with this. I'm a part of many of these communities as we talked. Um, one of them is a fairly large digital marketing community. And one of the very interesting things that I've noticed or that I've seen happen within this community, and I'm, I'm interested to see if this is happening in powder Cake as well, is that, I mean, people know I've, I've got three kids. I've got a wife, I've got three kids, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm on the older end of the tech universe, right? The, the digital universe. But what's happening in these communities is that many people are coming of age. They're finding partners or they are choosing to have, you know, create families, you know, the, I move every six weeks and I'm a digital nomad lifestyle, or I can work from anywhere. Like all of that is sort of the, the reality of what we might call normalcy is settling in for many of them. Along with that comes expectations for when and how I work. Um, expectations for what my team needs to look like, Um, you know, as you were just saying, sort of expectations, like rather like, you know, we move from risk-taking to stability-making, you know, kind of uh, choices. Talk to me about that for a second, about what you're seeing in cake because now digital and tech has been around long enough, right? 30, 40 years where there's a maturity to it. And there's that, we always hear about that fresh startup you know, dynamic, blah, blah, blah. But then there's this huge glut of people who are like, you know, I want to be a part of it, but I got to pay the bills every week. I got a mortgage. I, you know, I like, and and you know what, frankly, I don't want to move. Like, talk (laughs) to me about, I mean, obviously you didn't, you want to stay in Indiana. So like, talk talk to me about that.
1: Well, what's great right now is that people have options. And Mm -hmm. I think that's going to continue to be the case. Um, The challenge is similar to the uh, curation challenge of like, now there's all this information. How do I know which stuff is the good information? Um, there's so many different companies. There are so mm. many different company cultures. There's so many different leaders. There's so many different products. And it's, it is hard to stay on top of it. I try to, but I, I don't even stay on top of 10% <laughs> I <even> of try. <laughs> it. Uh, you know, a lot of what our community is built around is helping people curate. Um, we've built this software that helps people kind of curate what they care about. Mm. Starting with, you know, companies, every company has a profile that outlines their culture, it outlines their product, um, that has their benefits, and work flexibility preferences in there, all of which are, are matchable attributes, meaning someone can say, I'm looking for this type of company, and then powder keg, you know, serves it up out of its database of 1000s of tech companies around the country, to that person to say, there you go. Uh, if you'd like to ask for an intro, you can request an intro. If you just want to follow them passively and you know, keep tabs on what you're doing, you can do that on the platform. Um, but I think these are the types of tools that uh, are going to continue to help people and companies stay on top of what's going on because there's so much information out there right now. Um, and then another piece of, of what we are doing is curating. So mm-hmm. if you are interested in a new city or a new industry like FinTech or health tech, um, we have those resources on the platform too, all of which are contributed to by the community and curated by the community so that people can learn more about it and discover these collections of companies that are top ranked across different factors or in different industries or in different geographies. Um, and so having these resources and PowerCake is certainly not the only one that's doing this. Um, we are just laser focused on anyone that's inter- interested in the innovation and tech economy which I would argue is the entire economy um, but <laughs> sure. but uh, if you're interested in it in that kind of thing, like there are all kinds of resources there, including just a, a weekly newsletter to stay on top of which companies are getting funded, which companies mm. are getting acquired, um, what are people doing to level up in their career and what kinds of jobs are available out there? Um, plugging into a few communities like this can be extremely helpful, and what we're really trying to do is be that One community that's the generalist community, you you could meet another person like yourself, but you also might meet someone in an adjacent industry or an adjacent uh, function of the business, Um, but then also provide connectivity to these other communities. Like if you want to go deep on software development in FinTech, we can connect you to that organization that does that thing. Or if you're really interested in Mexico City, we can connect you with Latic because he can probably get you plugged in. Um, So really finding ways to uh, create that connectivity in a way that's all supported by software and supported by a community of people who care.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Final question then for you is what are you personally, Matt Hunkler, most excited about for the near, 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 near term, like six months, 12 months, you know, what are you looking at there? Like, and it could be something in powder cake, could be a shiny new object, could be a startup, could be a new tech that you're using, could be, a new puppy that you're getting next week. I don't know. What are you you most (laughs) excited about? I think I'm most excited about right now.
1: um, Certainly there is fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the public markets right now, at least in the US. Um, You know, tech companies are, at least public tech companies are getting a haircut right now in in terms of valuation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that particularly uh, companies outside of the Bay Area that, that are a little bit insulated by a lot of the the hype that's been happening the last two to three years, um, hype meaning you know increased valuations, uh, new businesses being launched that don't necessarily have a path to revenue mm-hmm. uh, or a solid business model. Um, i I hope those companies pivot and find a way to succeed in this new world we're shifting into right now where you need those things. but I'm also excited for the companies that are outside of the the Bay Area and the people that work at those companies or the people that could work at those companies because I, I think really, we call it the unvalley. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the unbundling of Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. um, but also this area outside of the Bay Area, um, you know, which all has connectivity back to the Bay Area. Um, I think there's just going to be this moment of opportunity, and we've been having it the last couple of years too as everything's gone remote. Um, I think it's going to extend even more Uh, in these coming years. And I think what that's going to do is provide more opportunity for more people to uh, plug in, learn about tech, uh, build amazing networks, build amazing careers that support uh, really rich lives and have a high quality of life because they get to live where they want to live. And just seeing more of that, uh, seeing Mm -hmm. more of those stories um, as these big shifts are happening all around us, which certainly has its downsides too, you know, my portfolio is certainly down, uh, <laughs> as as are most people's who have you know an index fund. Absolutely, um, but uh, the the pro is, I, I think it's creating all of this opportunity for
0: for so many more people. Fantastic, Matt Hunkler, you are the CEO of Powder Keg. Um, I, I you know I'm I'm. This has been a fantastic conversation. I love it. Um, and, uh, I just can't wish you all the best. You know, it, it, I think that's gonna be wonderful. I, I want to hear... remind me though. I think that you have an event coming up or did it just pass? We, we just
1: passed it. We just ah, passed it, darn it! but Sorry. we've got another one coming up. So I, um, that's, that's the nice thing about powder keg. We've always got another event coming up. Um, and if you want to sign up for our free newsletter and free software tools, it's just powder keg.com powder keg, all one word. And, um, We have got to get you on the virtual stage, Laddick, because I think all the things that you and your community are doing to help plug people into the latest trends in e learning uh, Mm. are so important. And learning, to me, is is one of my top three core values. You know, (laughs) lifelong learning, and um, what you're doing for the industry to help more people do that is really important. Thank you so much. Appreciate
0: it. Thank you for the conversation today, and we will uh, talk to you talk to you again soon. Thanks, Laddick. Thanks again for joining me for the eLearn podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Just, Just push subscribe on your player right now. And remember, you can join the conversation live on YouTube, Facebook, and my LinkedIn feed every week. I hope to see you there. Thanks.